Welcome to Wellversed, where we bring biblical principles of governance to governmental leaders and you. This is the Wellversed podcast. Well, we're going to our next next guest, and thank you, Kevin Freeman. You've already been partially introduced in a way, or shared a little bit. Uh, Kevin, if you'll if you'll maybe take the first minute to talk about your life and who you are, and the, the television show you have, the books you've written. I'll just say, folks, way ahead of the curve, Kevin Freeman was warning the nation on cyber warfare and economic warfare. First time I ever heard those words, a long time ago. If I got my details right, he was warning the Pentagon when the Pentagon was still laughing at him that this could never be the case. And now I would contend we're in World War III. We have been in World War III. It's not tanks and planes. It is cyber warfare and economic warfare. And Kevin was the first to identify that would be the weapons of this new war that we find ourselves in. Kevin Freeman, so honored to have you. Wanted you to talk to us and give us an overview of where we are economically and otherwise in our nation right now. Yeah, well, Pastor Garlow, thank you. I, I, actually, I'll, I'll share a little of my background, but I'd really like to share three different stories. Uh, one of them is the story of Fast Eddie, born 132 years ago. The second, the story of the boy King that you're very familiar with, I'm sure, but maybe a different twist than you're used to. And the third is the story of the little ships that saved the world. And in the process, as I weave through the story, you're going to learn about economic warfare and you're going to learn about spiritual warfare. But most importantly, you'll learn there's nothing new under the sun. And I hope uh, John Eastman, if he's on, I hope he hears this because I want to encourage him. Uh, This first story, for example, of Fast Eddie, and I'm not talking Crazy Eddie. Crazy Eddie's the guy in New York that was fast talking and selling electronics. I'm talking about a guy born in 1890 who was a 'er ne'er-do-well kid. His father died in a workplace accident. That's a nice way to say he got in a fight at work and was killed in the fight. Well, Fast Eddie's dad died when he was 12 years old. His mom came to him and said, son, you're the man of the family. You're going to have to take care of us. He straightened up. He started doing odd jobs. He realized he loved to repair machines. He took a correspondence course. So this is 1902 to learn to be a mechanic. He loved automobiles. He got to know a man named Harvey Firestone. Harvey Firestone saw in him a, a, a smart kid, a hardworking kid, and he gave him the chance to race his car. And he raced cars. And this guy named Fast Eddie, he's known for this because he set the land speed record in 1914. So he's 24 years old and he, he traveled at 140 miles per hour. That's the fastest anybody had ever traveled. He made so much money on the racing circuit. He made $40,000 a year, which is a million dollars a year in today's so he went from, uh, you know, orphaned by his dad, uh, poor ne'er-do-well kid, to age 24, he's making $40,000 a year, the equivalent of of a million dollars a year, and yet he loved America, and he gave it all up and volunteered for the Great War. He went to Europe. He, the big wigs had heard of him, so General Pershing asked him to drive for him. And he met a guy named General Billy Mitchell. And he said, hey, you're a mechanic. Will you be the mechanic at my flight school? And Fast Eddie agreed if 
he would, could learn how to fly. Now, all the other pilots were the blue bloods. They'd gone to the Ivy League universities. They were the best of the best of the best of Americans. And they looked down on Eddie. You have no college experience. You really didn't even finish high school. You're a dirty, grubby mechanic. We don't want you to learn to fly planes. But uh, General Mitchell says a deal is a deal. So he taught him to fly and he became America's ace of aces with 26 confirmed aerial victories, Fast Eddie Rickenbacker. Mm. Now, he was bestowed the Congressional Medal of Honor as a true war hero. He, he bought the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and he helped start Eastern Airways. And I'm sharing that because up to this point, he lived a perfect life. America was wonderful to him. And then the depression hits FDR begins to implement the New Deal. He starts to pack the court. He's starting to tear down American industries. And fast Eddie Rickenbacker, now war hero, Medal of Honor recipient, stands up for what he believes and says, there's a socialist takeover of our country, and he starts to speak out. And this is where I think that John Eastman can, can take comfort because he was attacked mercilessly by the president of the United States himself. First thing he did was he canceled Eastern Airways mail contracts, essentially cutting, off, cutting him off economically. And then when they did that, he gave the, the army pilots the contracts and the army pilots, they called it the air mail scandal because army pilots knew how to take off, shoot at the enemy and then land they did not how to know how to take mail across the country, and Army pilots crashed and died, and Rickenbacker was out there. People are dying because Roosevelt wants to cancel me because I'm speaking out against socialism. So he starts making speeches, and he gets invited to do a national radio address, and the president of the United States calls the president of RCA and orders him to not allow fast Eddie Rickenbacker on the air. And the media censored any criticism of Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Sounds familiar. But when World War II broke out, President Roosevelt called Captain Eddie Rickenbacker and said, I've got a secret mission for you. I want you to get on a plane and go take it to General MacArthur, this message. So Rickenbacker flew to Hawaii and on his way from Hawaii en route to Australia, the navigational equipment failed. They missed their refueling stop. They ditched in the Pacific Ocean. They were 24 days at sea, and Eddie Rickenbacker brought the men that were there. There were eight that crashed. One died almost immediately. Seven survived, and he shared the gospel with them and told them to pray, and they hated him for it. They were hoping he would die in the Pacific so they could toss his body. They said, I'm staying alive long enough so we can take old man Rickenbacker and dump him in the sea as soon as he dies. But he prays, and it rains, and they get water, and it saves them. And they said, but we have no food. We ran out of food two weeks ago. What do we do? And he prayed and asked God for a miracle, and a seagull landed on his head. He grabbed it, wrung its neck, feathered it, and they split the seagull among them, and they all survived. And when he got picked up, what did he do? He said, I'm going home. I've done my part. No, he <laughs> took one day of rest, and then he got on his mission and he completed it. He went to Australia and met with Douglas MacArthur. Then he went to the Pentagon to improve aircraft. Then he did a 55,000 mile mission, mission going to Russia, China, and to all the US air bases. 
They said, we'll make you a major general. And he said, no, I don't want to be a major general. I want to speak freely. I need to be able to criticize the wrong policies of this administration. He actually outlived Roosevelt, as we know. He turned Eastern into a powerhouse. He retired in 1963. He lived in 1973. And some people say every day he went to the ocean and fed the seagulls, thanking them for their sacrifice so that he and those men could stay alive. Now, I share this story for several reasons, because nothing new is under the sun. He was persecuted. And he suffered both from the President of the United States and just life circumstances. He fought socialism. Cancel culture was operational. So I share that because John Eastman is standing in an Eddie Rickenbacker position now, and we need to pray for him, and God has a miracle for him. We've covered this. If you want to see the Economic War Room and learn about me, we did a show on Fast Eddie Rickenbacker not long ago. You can see it in the episodes. We have a new one coming out tomorrow called The Gold Bullet for the Great Reset. So I share those things for you because they're important lessons to learn, and it's how we fight economic warfare. Even when things seem hopeless, by faith and persistence, we're able to bring victory. And there is not, God is not finished with America. It's a question of where our heart is. Now, you wanted my background. I have four decades in the investment industry. I was hired by the Pentagon as their economic warfare consultant starting in 2008. I warned of the financial market crash. I sat with Michelle Bachman in the summer of 2008 at the Republican convention. I said, there's going to be a stock market crash in the fall just before the election. It's going to be based on naked short selling. And here's what we need to do to combat it. Unfortunately, my mom contracted cancer. I flew from immediately from Minneapolis to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and sat with her for the next three or four months, watching the market collapse, watching the election happen. They purposed a Barack Obama into the White House by crashing the market. When I say they who did it, sovereign wealth funds in the Middle East and Russia. I got hired and I briefed all the major uh, agencies, the DIA, the FBI, the CIA, DARPA, the war colleges, generals, admirals. Uh, General Flynn, for example, was in the Defense Intelligence Agency. He was the second director I briefed on this, and he asked me to come in and brief the entire staff from China and tell them that we were at economic war with China. Nobody believed it then, not at least until uh, President Trump got into the White House. By the way, President Trump was a reader of one of my books called Secret Weapon and wrote a nice note to the man who gave it to him and said, I read the book, fantastic. And then the man who gave it to him gave me a copy of the note. I have a TV show on Blaze TV. It's called Economic War Room. You can watch it at economicwarroom.com. And I've written a new book, According to Plan. And the challenge is, how do we wake America before it's too late? We're in a spiritual war manifesting as an economic war. And I mention that because there are three economic wars. The first one is the foreign war with China. And nobody believed it, but now they see it. It's obvious. You can see it in Washington Post and New York Times and LA Times. You know, 10, 15 years ago when I was talking about this, nobody believed that that was possible because China was our friend and our banker. But now a virus has emerged from China that was one of the greatest economic weapons of history. They've been hacking everything in sight. They're attempting to destroy our economy. Then we have a domestic war, and that domestic war is with uh, woke globalists like the World Economic Forum that want to take over our economy and turn every American corporation into a socialist 
uh, uh, really indoctrination camp. So Disney no longer makes family-friendly movies. They want to push the LGBTQ movement. Why? Because of Wall Street and the investors have captured these great, once great American companies. They even elected three directors to ExxonMobil who believe that we should end the use of fossil fuels in the world. They're literally putting ExxonMobil out of business. We call that the domestic war. And they're doing things like debanking really amazing people. Uh, Pastor Garlow, you introduced me to Nick Vujicic. He's become a great friend. He lives not far from me. He got canceled by his bank. This is a guy with no arms or legs that goes around and tells young people, don't kill yourself because God has a plan for you. And the young people look and I said, surely if God can have a plan for a guy that has no arms and legs, then maybe God cares about me too. And he's kept so many young people from suicide and yet they debanked him. They took away his banking capabilities. This is the same thing they did to the truckers in Canada. If you support Donald Trump, then you can't have a bank account. And coming soon, central bank digital currencies where they can control every aspect of our money. They're testing it right now at the Federal Reserve and 12 U.S. banks based on an executive order put in place by President Biden last year. This is an ability to control everything we do. You can't buy or sell without it once it's implemented. Wow, that sounds like the mark of the beast. Now, that's the domestic war. I mentioned the foreign war. Let me tell you what China hopes to do. And they have since 2013 and Russia since 2008. They want to crash our economy by destroying the U.S. dollar. Now, in 2008, when Vladimir Putin first said it, we had $10 trillion in debt. He said, they are the most indebted people in the history of the world. They owe $10 trillion. The Chinese weren't ready to crash our economy. They needed our economy because they were still trying to grow theirs. But they joined in 2013 with the rise of Xi Jinping. At that time, our total reported federal debt was $16.7 trillion. It risen 67% from 2008 to 2013. Guess what? It's doubled since then. It's over $31 trillion. Now, China held in 2008 10% of our outstanding total debt. Now they hold 2% of our debt, and we're making it easy for them to bankrupt us. Because, you know, last year interest rates were about 1.3% on all our federal debt average, so we paid $378 billion. That was the interest rate bill for the U.S. federal government a year ago. 1.3% on 28 trillion. Well, now the debt is over 31 trillion and interest rates are approaching 5%. That means we're paying a trillion and a half dollars a year in interest at 5% and at 10%, which is something some economists have projected, we will be paying $3 trillion in interest. $3 trillion would suck up all of our personal income tax, everything we could possibly pay. Now, I shared this with you because these are economic wars. The World Economic Forum has word economic right in it, but the most important war we can fight is the economic war of the heart, and that is the secret from scriptures that will unlock our ability to fight back, to bring us back to the America that we want for our children and our grandchildren. But before we can get that liberty, we have to go and follow the words of Jesus in Luke 16, 11.
He said, if you're not faithful with your unrighteous mammon, you will not be trusted with true riches. Liberty for our kids and grandkids, the ability to spread the gospel and share the truth of Jesus Christ, those things are true riches. What we're focused on and worried about all too often is our money, our unrighteous mammon. You know, Luke 16.10 says that if you're faithful in small things, I'll set you over greater things. Then he says, if you're not faithful with your money, you won't get to true riches. That tells me money is supposed to be a small thing. It's not supposed to be a big thing, but we love money and the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil, 1 Timothy 6.10. So here's the lesson from story two that I saw in 2 Chronicles chapter 34 that is revolutionary to me and it is the answer for the church, how we fight back. And that's the story from 2,600 years ago, the boy king, he, it was uh, King Josiah. He was eight years old when he became king. The Bible says he didn't follow after his wicked daddy or his wicked granddaddy, but he followed after his father, David. At age 16, he sought God. At age 20, he tore down false worship. At age 26, in the 18th year of his reign, he decided to rebuild the house of God. And this leadership lesson from King Josiah is this. He said, we've got to honor and worship God, so let's rebuild the temple. Well, how are you going to do it? Well, what had happened is from the time of Hezekiah to the time of Josiah, when the, when the country was prosperous, the tithes would be stacked up inside the temple. In fact, Hezekiah made special rooms. Put it in there. Put it in there. They stacked up silver and gold. That's Josiah's great-grandfather. Because there was money in the temple, uh, Josiah's grandfather didn't need to depend on God. He could depend on money. And Josiah's father didn't need to. In fact, he was third generation wealth. And you know what third generation wealth oftentimes they think they're smarter than everybody because they went to the best schools and they have money and they get, have all this privilege. They don't care to turn to God. They're too smart for that. Well, Josiah needed God. He became king at age eight. And here's the key. He said, I want them to go out and get cedar and, and stone and jewels and I want the best craftsmen, and you bring them in, and they say, Josiah, how are you going to pay for it? He says, I don't need that silver and gold that's piled up in there. You bring it out. And 30, 2 Chronicles 34, 14 has this verse. Now, when they brought out the money that was brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law of the Lord given by Moses. My Sunday school memory of that was always, yeah, Josiah was kicking around the temple and he found this book and wondered what it was, read it and rent his clothes and all that. That's not what happened. It was covered up by the money. And when the money was taken out and put into the laborer's hands, then they uncovered the book of the law of the Lord as given by Moses. They were being faithful with their unrighteous mammon and God gave them true riches. And this is the point. You have to get the money part right. Economic war of the heart is the single greatest war that we're facing. And you have to get the money moving. If you stack all the money up and stick it in a building, the economy will collapse with zero velocity of money. Money has to be in use to have any real value. You got to get the money moving or you'll have a failed economy and you'll miss the deeper spiritual things. Now, this isn't just an Old Testament warning. I'm going to read to you from James chapter 5 and I'm going to sum up verses 1 through 8. 
basically written to believers and written to the rich. It says, you rich, your riches rot with you. It says, you have heaped up treasure in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborer who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out, and the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord. Rich people today, as a money manager, I can tell you, I get Christians constantly coming to me. I've saved up a certain amount of money. It's all I've got left. I've got to hold on to it. I can't do anything with it. Can you help me grow it? Can you put it in the stock market and grow it? Because this is what I have to depend on. And I feel for you. However, you can't put your trust in uncertain riches where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. Yes, you should invest it. Yes, you should give it. Yes, you should spend it. But you should do it faithfully. It's important to the Lord. You got to get the money part right or you will not get to the true riches. Matthew 6, 19 says you can't serve two masters. Jesus said, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where your, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. It was the rich fool who laid up treasure. And of course, the parable of the talents in Luke 19, Jesus tells about the master. He gave three servants money, not talent. Oh, you can play the piano. No, not the ability to play the piano or sing. That's not the talent. It was money. It was a unit of money. And it was a big amount of money. One got five talents, one got two talents, one got one talent. The one with five said, my master wants me to put the money to use. It's not my source of supply. I will put it to use. He invested it, reaped five talents more. The second one invested it, reaped two talents more. Third one says, my master is cruel. It's all I've got. I'm going to bury it. And it was wrong. Jesus says, transact business till I come, occupy till I come. The master said, you gotta be using the money. And that's what I'm gonna tell you. If you bury your money and count on it as your source of supply, the Lord God Almighty has every right to take it from you one way or another. And why do I say that? I say that because the church, and I talk to so many believers, is right now more worried about how they protect their money than protect their liberty and they need to get their heart right about money. You can give it, you can spend it, you can invest it. What you cannot do is make it your treasure. Do not lay up treasure here on earth. So that's the second. And by the way, the parable of the unjust steward, remember uh, he said he took his master's money and used it to buy souls in Luke 16. That's a powerful pe parable. Money is not gonna save you. If we're in the wrath of God, Zephaniah 118 is absolutely crystal clear. Your silver and gold will not save you from the wrath of God. Even the believing apostles, when confronted at the gate, hey, I'm, I'm lame, can I have some money? Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give thee in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. The key is not to make money the goal, but it is a valuable and important tool and the first weapon in the economic war. So given that we have these three wars in America, domestic economic war, the foreign economic war, we have to first deal with the internal economic war of the heart. And we can win the other two wars if we get that one straight. Because the federal government's gonna come at you and say, we're gonna take your money. And you're gonna say, you know what? You're not taking my liberty. I'm standing up and I'm using my money, whether it's to give to John Eastman and his campaign to, to defend 
uh, the right to challenge elections or whether it's to give to your church, local church or whether it is to invest in a good idea that's going to change the world, that's going to maybe get us off the control of the enemy. Weaponize your giving, spending, investing. Stop buying from China. Look for non-woke alternatives. Don't go to movies that are destroying our values. Don't give them the satisfaction and don't invest with the index funds that are investing in ESG, environment, social governance, which turns out to be really a grab bag of progressive leftist ideologies. We recommend people invest with LSV, liberty, security, and values. In the Economic War Room, every week we have a show. It's 24 minutes to watch. We have a battle plan that comes with it that says, here's what we covered. Here's, here's uh, backup evidence to support what we said, and then here's your action plan of what we do. And you need to find a financial advisor that's going to help you invest properly if you've got enough money to do it. We're building a parallel economy. I've mentioned this before, but here's a question. Do you want to stick your money in a bank where it's no longer your money, it's a debt they owe you, and it's held in the form of paper, and they don't even have enough paper to meet all the deposits that have come in? Or would you rather stick it in a bank that is required by the Constitution to back it up 100% with gold or silver? Wow, that sounds like a better deal. That is Article 1, Section 10 money. We're doing a show that's coming out tomorrow. You can see it free at economicwarroom.com. Go sign up for the battle plans and we'll send you an email where you can watch the show free called A Gold Bullet for the Great Reset, where you, if we get legislation passed in Texas and we're pushing it hard, I'll be down in Austin next week, we're pushing it hard, it will be where you can actually have your money held by a bank that not only has to keep it one for one, but has to back it with gold or silver. We got plans to displace Google. We have plans to solve the border crisis. We have plans to solve the wokeness of the entertainment culture. We have plans for energy that will knock your socks off or water. In 24 minutes a week, we don't give you, we are not the economic outrage room. We're the economic war room. That means we have solutions. That means we have an action plan. That means we have battles. And everything we're saying, we've prayed over. It's constitutional. Some of it may be investable, but you may need a financial advisor to help you weaponize your money. So we're a solutions to action tank. And when I shared our vision with Dave Bratt at Liberty University, another believer, he's the business dean, former congressman, I said, this is our vision. He said, we'll train the financial advisors here at Liberty. You give us the curriculum. We'll train them to help their clients invest in liberty, security, and values. Now, I know my time is about up. I want to share one more thing. This book, According to Plan, uh, which you can see here, According to Plan, it talks about all of the economic war from the globalists and from China, and it has an action plan of how do we fight back. And it's written in the simplest, easiest, most readable terms. It's not daking you down into the weeds. My previous books were technical and advanced and everything else, and they were harder to read. This one is easy to read. Uh, we name the names of the people trying to destroy us. We expose their evil, and we offer a biblical-based action plan. Now, I promised three stories. The third story is this one, and I'll conclude with this. Th 
not something 83 years ago, something like that, Western civilization was dead. Adolf Hitler was rolling tanks and the, the U.S. was not going to enter the war. And the only thing that stood between Hitler and complete control of Europe was about 300,000 discouraged men trapped on, a, on this series of beaches called Dunkirk outside the town. You may have seen the movie Dunkirk. You may have heard the, seen the movie Darkest Hour, which is Winston Churchill. But you, you probably have not seen or heard the truth of what happened. You know that little ships came across the English Channel and took men back. That's a miracle. But you missing what really happened, King George VI, Queen Elizabeth's father, the grandfather of King Charles, thrust into the kingship, not wanting to be king, but his brother abdicated the throne for Wallace Simpson because Winston Churchill told him, love is more important than the throne, king. You should go follow after your heart to get him out of the way because he's a Nazi sympathizer. Got him out of the way. King George VI, the VI becomes king. Doesn't like Churchill all that much, but he sees the dire strait we're in, sees 300,000 men British expeditionary force, the entire force trapped on a beach where tanks could roll in and kill them any day. And so he does something remarkable. He calls for an empire-wide day of prayer. And when he does, empire-wide, whether they were in India or in Canada or any English-speaking part of the world or any British-controlled part of the world, they closed everything down and people went into houses of worship. They lined up outside Westminster Abbey, covered the street miles long and they went in and they begged God, please save our nation. And three miracles happened. One of them, for whatever reason, the tank stopped. Hitler said, stop the ground assault. Stop outside Dunkirk. Just stop. Maybe he didn't want to get the tanks messy in the marshy area of Dunkirk. Maybe his uh, his head of the Luftwaffe um, Hermann Goering said, well, we'll just fly planes and bomb the beaches. We don't need to take the tanks in. Whatever reason, he stopped his tanks. And then the second thing happened. They started, one squadron gets off, and they strafe one beach, and every man in the beach, according to David Gardner in A Trumpet Sound for Britain, every man dives into the sand and stands up afterwards, realizing that bullets lay all the way around them, outlining the men but swearing angels had lain over them wow. and they gave the glory to God. Not one person perished. And then something else remarkable happened. The Luftwaffe is at Flanders Field, you know, where we've buried our dead now. Then it was their air base and fog fell so thick on Flanders Field that not a plane could take off. And the air assault was over. And at the same time, the Lord Almighty God made the English Channel as smooth as glass so that when Winston Churchill, Prime Minister Churchill, called Operation Dynamo into action, the little ships, speedboats, fishing trawlers, sailboats, any tiny boat that could go across the channel went and picked up men. Now, why was that important? Because the government, with its massive destroyers and the vaunted British Navy, could not enter the shallow beach of Dunkirk. They couldn't get in. The water was too shallow. And the moles, the long walkways, had been bombed by the Germans. It took the small ships, the little ships, 
Now, I share this for two reasons. One is everyone on this call can be a little ship. Take the little amount you have in your portfolio or in your bank account and dedicate it to God and say, this is a weapon of an economic war. You use it, Almighty Lord, however you would use it. And you can give it, spend it, invest it, do whatever you can, but don't count on it as your solution. You are the small ships. You can make the difference. And the second thing is let's learn from King George VI, because not only did he call for an empire-wide prayer, but then they implemented a plan and they worked their plan and they were successful, but they did the third, the most important thing. Churchill goes to the king and says, uh, King George, uh, we've rescued the men, but no victory has ever been won by a retreat. You can't win a war by retreat. He said the battle for France is over. The battle for Britain is just now beginning. By the way, I'm sitting in the Dunkirk Advance Center because we believe in Dunkirk, but we don't retreat, we advance. But he said, we've got to get to work immediately. And King George VI said, no. He said, but we have to prepare. No. King, what do we do? He said, I command an empire-wide day of thanksgiving. And the entire British Empire and all the English-speaking parts of the world got on their knees, took a day off from work in preparation, and gave thanks to Almighty God. And I promise you, that is the moment that Adolf Hitler lost. He didn't realize it for four years, but he was beaten when those men and this empire got on their knees and thanked God for the deliverance that he provided. That's our challenge. We are the little ships. We must pray and seek God. Then we must do our work, weaponize our money. That's the small ships. And then when we see vic victory, we must be the one that stops and gets on our knees and gives thanksgiving to Almighty God. If you want to read, hear more of this, you can go to economicwarroom.com, sign up for the battle plans. You can get the book at accordingtoplanbook.com forward slash EWR, and you can get a buy one, get one free on the book. I don't, if, if you want a book and you don't want to pay the 1776 for two copies, get my contact, Kevin at economicwarroom.com, email me, we'll send you a book. It's not about the money. Weaponize your money. We've got to get right with God in our uh, regarding our money. Thank you so much. God bless. Kevin, um, to go on the real mundane stuff of uh, finances in America, what do you see in terms of supply chain cycle breaches on food, energy, and medicine this year? Well, Mario, thank you. Thank you for your kind comments. Uh, one of the things we need to be aware of, we're having a seminar here tomorrow uh, on the electric grid here at our Liberty Hawk Ranch. It's going to be a grid summit. Frank Gaffney is going to be here, and, and it'll, it'll be powerful. Uh, but that is the worst case. The worst case is the economy completely collapses, and there is no supply chain. The power, the, there's no electric power. Uh, and and that is not a non-zero probability. That, that is a very real risk, whether it's from human terms or even the solar flare that could wipe out our power grid. Now, I'll be in Austin trying to get them to address the power grid with Senator Hall, 
and, and there's a film that's out called Grid Down, Power Up. But we run a very real risk of last year lo looking back on 2022 and saying, what a good year it was because the stock market only went down 20%. And, you know, we, for the most, th there, there are real economic attacks coming on this nation, whether, and I mentioned the central bank digital currencies, the food supply, Tommy Waller will be here for the Center for Security Policies, talks about food security, the, the supply chain is terrible. I could list a thousand things, but you know what? God supplies in a famine and the widow wanted to hold on to that which she had, but instead the prophet talked her into sharing it. I just have enough for me and my son, we're gonna eat it and then we're gonna die. And, and because she got the economy moving. So I think we could see inflation has come down. I think it could go roaring back up if the Federal Reserve takes their foot off the brake. Um, I think that there's a very real risk that the stock market could de decline another 20, 30%. And, and th that would be a reasonably good outcome compared to the worst outcomes. I could see the dollar coming under attack. We, all of those things are frighteningly real, but we won't see with clarity when we're worried about the money and instead of advancing the kingdom of Christ. We just will not see with clarity. And so I pray every day. My wife right now and daughter are in Washington for the March for Life. Um, we're hosting the summit here every day. 20 some years ago, in 1999, when I got married, I asked my wife, uh, and it, we're coming up on our 24th anniversary, do you mind if I give up the million dollar a year salary and we just pursue and do what God wants? And she's a beautiful, wonderful, God-fearing woman. She said, let's do it. And we've had some awful financial years in those, in those times. I gave up the, the money, but I, I didn't want to be owned by the money. And, and it, it is unfortunately, um, you know, we Americans don't own money. Money has owned us and you've, you've honed in on it. God is going to judge, he's going to shake, he's going to strip us bare if necessary. You know, Elon Musk was the richest man in the world and then he stood up against uh, uh, canceling a free speech and he's under attack every single day. They're having to sell the signs out of Twitter and the coffee makers and things like that. The stock for Tesla is down, he's being challenged. Now, he's being stripped bare. He might only have $20 billion left or something silly, but but he's he's feeling and the impact can come to any one of us individually. I had a daughter uh, that's in, in college. She's a dancer and uh, she broke her foot and she she's a dance major. And then, you know, here's a call with the bill for the hospital and all that if you're going to have to do that. The point is, is that if we put our eyes and our trust in uncertain riches, it will be taken from us. That is a promise of Christ. Do not put your trust in uncertain riches where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. But here's the good news. If we put our trust in God's riches, my God shall supply all of your earthly need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He told the rich young ruler, he said, go sell all that you have, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. That does not mean it's not accessible on the earth. And I'm looking forward to those miracle moments that we're going to have where we have a bill. How am I going to pay this? Heavenly Father, I call on my heavenly bank account, and I ask you to transfer funds down here so I can use them. When we have that in the church, we will have the revival 
beyond revivals because we'll know that our trust cannot be in mammon. It has to be in eternal riches. And so I think we're going to have a very tough couple of years here. It's not going to turn around the Trump economy. We're not doing the policies in place to give us a good economy. And even if we were, God could strip us of that. Um, just along the same lines, um, the recent uh, discussion or agreement, Saudi Arabia with China uh, to pay in yuan and not in dollars to undo the a petrodollar. How soon can we see that um, across the board um, uh, that, that they're no longer having the petrodollar and the implementation of the digital, um, uh, what is it, uh, standardized banking? Central Bank Digital Currency, CBDC. In the U.S. In the U.S. And the Chinese are building one and the Australians and the Canadians. There are like 23 nations building their own digital currency so that they can completely control every aspect of, of money. Uh, they can tell you if you can use your money to buy a cheeseburger. Well, you're too fat. You can't. They can tell you if you can use it tomorrow. Maybe you need to save some and you you won't be able to use it for a week. They can tell you you're too your skin color is the wrong color, so we're going to take reparations from you and give it to somebody else. That's coming. It's being tested by the Federal Reserve right now. Uh, June is the earliest I think they could implement it, but they're working towards that. The dollar losing its reserve currency status could happen any time, and I'm not good at predicting times. I have no idea the day. I just know with certainty that that's the plan. And, and the Bible tells us there's a one-world system that you can't buy or sell without the mark of the beast. Well, that's easily implemented if you have central bank digital currencies, which is why we have to have build a parallel economy. Michelle Bachman has been on the show talking about the need for a parallel economy, did a great show with her. Uh, and the early Christians were not allowed to buy or sell. Uh, and so they had to have an underground economy that was barter-based. That's why we're working on the Texas alternative, state-based alternative. But in the end, God's going to wipe clean this monetary system, wipe it out. Uh, I don't know where we are, but he tells us to occupy until I come again. That's the master's command. That means do business until I come again, which means we need to be faithful with our giving, spending, and investing. Last question, your thoughts on the escalation in Ukraine and Russia and either a dirty bomb or this literally escalating to a potential nuclear war? Well, I think we're, we're, there are two forces fighting in the Ukraine, and there's the poor Ukrainian people in the church caught in between. But the forces, one of them, Vladimir Putin, who represents uh, the China and the authoritarian uh, attack, which is best described by George Orwell in 1984. It's a spy state, and, and they control everything, versus the World Economic Forum. And I stand with the Ukrainian people, but but not against the word of God. And when they're there to protect LGBTQ rights above the rights of others, I have a problem with that. So even the Ukrainian side is too woke. Uh, is there gonna be a potential nuclear bomb? Absolutely, uh, Putin's got a lot of them. And if Putin feels backed into a corner, he might escalate and use one. Uh, I don't trust the uh, Ukrainian government. I don't trust the Russian government. Uh, I do trust the Lord Jesus Christ, and so I pray for both sides, and I pray for peace, and ask the Lord to de-escalate, and to bring harmony and peace, and to save lives, and to share the gospel. That's what I want to see for Ukraine. Thank you so much, Kevin. Back to you, Jim. Kevin, the World Economic Forum started meeting 
two days ago. Uh, John Kerry, I can't give the exact quote, but it was in essence of this. I'm going to do the best I can to what he said. Made this amazing statement. It says, just think a select group of individuals had such an experience. We are called to save the planet. Mm. Perhaps you saw that quote. Saw him say it. With the uh, fervency of an evangelist. Of an antichrist. Yeah, you got ahead of me on that. Oh. Uh, so, uh, it take two sentences to talk about what the World Economics Forum is for anyone who might not be fully aware. My own congressman, I think, is there. A number of members of Congress are there. Of course, a long list of people from uh, countries all over the world. Uh, so say what word of what it is, who gets invited, and then what are the implications for what they're, they're, they're flexing their muscles. They, it's no longer hidden and secret. It's very out there in their claims now. They're quite bold in it. And, and, and talk to us about that and what the meaning of this is right now. Well, the World Economic Forum is made up of three distinct groups of people that are seemingly aligned. The first group are the really, really wealthy people like King Charles and others who think they're smarter than the rest of us and they're playing almost a simulation computer game you know, this is the Bill Gates. Well, maybe we should reduce the population a little. Maybe we should do this. And we, if we would just centrally plan and control everything, we could determine what's best. And these people are, are really professing to be wise. They're fools. Uh, I, I knew Gordon Getty, uh, the man who taught Gordon Getty the oil industry. He, he was the chief financial officer for Getty and then Texaco. And he would take him to breakfast and he'd just get up and go to the bathroom when the bill came because the guy didn't even know how to pay a bill. And these are the wealthy elitists who have no idea of what an economy is or they've never made a payroll. They just assume that, that they're smarter than the rest of us because they went to the best schools and so forth. This is like the grandson of Hezekiah, the father uh, of, of uh, Josiah. So that's one group. The second group there are the grifters. The people who see this is a way I can make money. These stupid people up here are going to push all this woke stuff and I'm going to make money off of it. And that's the ESG crowd and, and the Larry Finks and others that, that I call grifters because they're scamming us with garbage nonsense of central planning. But there's a lot of money to be made. Nobody gets helped out of it, but a lot of money. And then the third one, which is the most dangerous, and those are the true believers. And I believe they are demonic. I believe they're, they're Satan-led, they're Marxist communists that want to take over the world and they don't care who they harmed doing it. And so they will push the destruction of anything moral, anything that's written in the Bible they will argue with. If God made them male and female, they'll say no. And you're a bigot and a hater if you say that God made them male and female. God made the heavens and the earth? No, they argue with everything because they're driven by demonic forces. So those are the three groups. They get together and they represent the largest corporations on earth, the most famous politicians on earth, the biggest big shots. And they gather together with George Soros and Klaus Schwab and all these people. And they literally plot, how do we take advantage of a crisis 
and implement our great thinking? Or even worse, how do we cause a crisis that we can take advantage of to implement and save the planet? Their definition of saving the planet is wiping out 95% of the population through, through medical care, through famine, through whatever. They are demonically driven or fools or grifters. Those are the only three people, and that's what the World Economic Forum is. What are we to expect to roll out now? Because they seem to be so much more open, as I indicated in my first question. Uh, we, 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 they hit some speed bumps. The first speed bump was named Trump. Uh, the second speed bump they hit was the Canadian trucker strike because their poster child, Trudeau, had to back up when he, when he froze all the funds of everybody. I'm not sure if they're, I, I think probably the vaccine resistance movement, which is around the globe, was their third speed bump. I'm not sure what order, maybe I'm in the wrong order of them. So they hit some speed bumps in resistance. Uh, what are what should we be looking for ahead uh, because of this meeting in, in, in Davos? Well, uh, there's going to be one or more of the various crises that would empower them. One of them is the World Health Organization, and they're pushing in the next pandemic, the World Health Organization needs to have complete control over all of the strategies of all the nations. Now, we saw the nations that actually did not lock down, did not mask up, and did not push this global health policies are the ones that recovered better. Those that completely controlled everything, the China model, are probably those that suffered the worst. They don't care. They want to implement global health policies. So if there's another pandemic, they want to do that. And the World Health Organization is trying to do that now. Second thing they're trying to do is control all the investments for stakeholder capitalism, which means socialism or communism. And they're working on that now so the ESG is dominant. And they've hit a speed bump because states are pushing back against this woke investing nonsense. But the biggest one, the single most important powerful tool they have for the Great Reset is central bank digital currencies. They want to take control of the monetary system and they need a crisis to do it, an economic crisis, and it could be famine. You see all of these crazy environmental decisions that they're making and the farmers are pushing back, wait a minute, that means I have to kill all my cows because the cows have belch methane and that's a greenhouse gas, so they're limiting cows, they're limiting fertilizer, there's no way you can feed the earth. And then we see all these fires at food processing plants and we see a coming push towards famine. Well, the famine is what hit in Egypt that gave complete control to the Pharaoh. They read the story of Joseph in the Bible, not as one of God used Joseph, sent him ahead to save his family. They use it and see, wait a minute, Joseph was smart and they bought all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh owned everything. That's what we want to do in a famine. Let them do that. They want complete control of the money and the food. And if they get the central bank digital currency and they're able to outlaw farming as we know it for greenhouse gas purposes, they will own everything and everyone. So we fight back. And that's how we do it at the state level here in the United States. And you live in a good state, they stand up and we can, we can have an Article 1, Section 10 monetary system built out of Texas or Florida or any good sovereign state can do it. It's in the Constitution. 
and we can fight back with parallel systems. And that's what, you know, again, I've mentioned Congresswoman Bachman multiple times, but she's been leading a charge. I know she's close to the World Prayer Network. You have her on all the time. She's a brilliant lady. She sat here at Liberty Hawk Ranch and helped us formulate the legislation to take into Texas so that it would come out right. So that's what I see them doing, a monetary economic crisis and a food crisis. And we've done multiple shows on both of them detailing them. And the answer is the golden bullet to the Great Reset, the show that comes out tomorrow. We've interviewed the, the Dutch farmers where their land is being confiscated. They're being required to drop their cow herd by 50% just, just overnight. We're all aware that Bill Gates and others like him are buying up massive amounts of land, farmland, in the very states where I used to be a farm kid growing up and all the states are around us, whether they're actually going after the massive amount of land or whether it's targeting being next to military bases, the CCP seems there, China seems to be buying up. I'm not sure which uh, which it is on that. Any comment on that? Uh, no, the Chinese want to own food production and they also want to spy on our military bases. So they've bought both wherever possible. But states again can push back with legislation that foreigners can't own the farmland, can't own the food processing plants and so forth. The federal government has a, a an entity, Cepheus, uh, which is the Committee on the Foreign Investment in the United States, but they have been derelict in duty. And so the states are going to have to stand up and say, you cannot buy our farmland up. You cannot spy on our military bases. You can't put your windmills up that then can monitor everything we do in the electric grid. So it's going to need to be a state-based push back while the federal government is currently in the hands of global elitists including potentially a president who is not entirely competent. <laughs> that is saying it mildly. You chose your words very carefully. Mario, uh, Mario, what questions? Yeah, you a couple quick questions. Um, uh, Bill Gates Foundation, et cetera, had the event 201 the October before. Uh, by March, we already knew of the coronavirus. This past October, there was another um, pandemic, uh, war games that they played out. What are your thoughts on that? One of them, the war games that they did, because yeah, clearly they're pl they planned in advance of the pandemic. Uh, were they lucky or were they purposeful? Um, I tend to believe purposeful, but they've done a war game not long ago. It's about a year and a half now where they said the banking system is failing and they forced bail ins of the banking system and literally told people, well, you had a million dollars in our bank, you really only have 50,000. And in their war game, they took control of the banks and they used it to usher in this new central bank digital currency. So they've done war games on an economic attack. Uh, Glenn Beck picked up on us and talked about it. We did a whole show on it. Uh, that is what we see is coming next, those two issues, food and money. And they're trying to take control of both. And if you control the food, you control the money. And if you control the money, you can control the food. Um, so a follow-up on, on our savings account. I know Glenn recommended community banks, but the, the, uh, the feds can close those up as well. Um, you know, until that time that something like the Texan dollars uh, backed by gold that you're working on is in play, um, what can people do or what should they do with their savings? Well, you need to diversify. That's what John Temple would say. You put it under FDIC limits, put it in a local bank and find a banker that you can build a personal relationship with. 
You know, when Nick Vujicic went into his bank, I can't imagine what the branch manager said at this massive, big, non-local bank uh, to the guy in the electric wheelchair that's got just like a little flipper, he calls it, for a foot. It's like, you're too dangerous for us to have your account here. I mean, what, what do you say then? But if you have a relationship, get to know your banker and by all means, print out your statements. This whole idea of going fully electronic is nonsense. Make them send you paper copies or if you do uh, get statements electronically, print them out and hold on to those copies. I had an example in the year uh, 2001 in September 15th, 2001, I had a line of credit. The line of credit was in the World Trade Center, a company that was housed there, and I needed to write a check on my line of credit and to, so I could pay payroll. And I knew my local banker, argued with him, fought with him, but finally got it approved because I had paper statements to show that that line of credit was real. So I, those are very basic, simple things we talked about in my book, Game Plan, uh, and then I would have some gold and silver, if you can, prior to the uh, prior to the Texas uh, plan. If we don't make it happen in Texas, we'll go into Oklahoma or Arkansas or Alaska. We'll go to one state, one Florida, the first state that will take it. We will take it there. And once you have one state, you can get any other state. Um, just your comments, my last question, um, with what's happening now with the uh, in investigation uh, on Biden uh, for classified documents, what do you think is going on? Why would they use the same thing uh, that they're trying to go and indict Trump for? There's, there's only two possibilities. Uh, one of them is it's just accidental and the Lord is laughing because the very thing that we've accused our brethren of is the thing that, that we have done, and, and that's hypocrisy, and, and God hates hypocrisy, and it's being exposed, and that's a possibility. The second possibility is they've decided that President Biden is a liability to accomplishing their objectives. He's no longer able to give a coherent speech. He's no longer able to be a major advocate of the programs, and they want to push him out and put uh, Vice President Harris into the White House and, and run up... Uh, uh, Gavin Newsom, for example, as a vice president so that Gavin Newsom could run in the next election or something like that. So it, it is either planned and they're they're going to move him aside or it is the Lord laughs at the wicked because he sees that his day is coming and, and God said, okay, you're going to accuse President Trump over here. I'm, I'm going to expose you. And, and he's been exposed. I don't know which it is, uh, maybe a little of both. Great. Thank you so much, Kevin. Jim? Yeah, the Texas bank uh, with gold back or whatever state you go to, can you give us any best guesstimate on a timeline of when that might come into existence? Well, Texas has a limited session. We meet once in the legislature every uh, two years, and we meet for three months. And so it has to come into being then. We already have a bullion depository. The technical feasibility is proven out. You can, you can go to private providers and deposit uh, cash. You write them a check and they hold it in the form of gold. They'll purchase gold on your behalf and then you can go spend it with a, a debit card which I have one, uh, there's a company called Glent. It's a UK company and they keep the gold in Switzerland. Now there's some downsides to it. It's taxable. 
uh, for any gain. Like if the value of gold goes up because the dollar goes down, that that gain is taxable. And and the other problem is it's confiscatable. And the, and the last problem is it's reportable. If it's taxable, you have to report to the IRS every gain and loss, which means I'm sending them all of my buying and selling information and they can monitor me and you lose privacy. But a sovereign state could do it. Texas could implement this. And if you're in Texas, call your legislator, call your senator and say, I want this. Tell them to talk to Brian, Senator Brian Hughes and tell Senator Hughes, I want this. We could have it up and running around the time that the central bank digital currency comes out, June through December. Um, it could at least be announced. And, and here's the key. Money goes where it's treated best if it has a path to do so. That means that if you have a choice between using the central bank digital currency, which will be offered voluntarily initially, remember the vaccine was not mandatory at first. In fact, it was a privilege to get a vaccine. Then it became mandatory. If we get central bank digital currency and we have this, it is a constitutional alternative. They cannot stop it. There's a Supreme Court ruling that allows it uh, from 1837, but it's still good law. And if they won't be able to stop it and you have a choice, you'll move your money there. And when you do, you'll be essentially off the, the, the system of the central bank digital currency. So it's a race against time and we're gonna fight as hard as we can. People tell us all the time, there's no way you'll get it done. It's not gonna happen. It'll take too long. They tell us this, well, I'm not gonna go gentle into that good night. Dylan Thomas's poem, do not, I rage, rage against the dying of the light. I trust God and we'll see what he does. If you quote songs, you're supposed to sing them, Kevin, on World Prayer Network. So <laughs> I was waiting for you to break out, break out with the tune. Hey, tell us the website or people can follow up and get your, you have a ton of information on your website and tell them how they can get the book according to plan that's right there in front of you. Yeah, economicwarroom.com. The best thing you can do is it says, get the battle plans, click that, put your email address in and we'll send you an email every week telling you what's on the show. It'll give you access to all the past shows and all the past economic battle plans that we produce. So economicwarroom.com and then click get the battle plans. And then for the book, according to planbook.com, and it, if you use the forward slash EWR, it'll automatically put the code in for you. And when you go to buy it and you check out, you'll get two books for 1776. So it's essentially buy one, get one free. And we picked 1776 as the price on purpose. You can get it at Amazon, you can get it other places, but two books for the price of one at according to planbook.com forward slash EWR. So you didn't charge 1619 for it. Is that right? No, no, we're not 1619. Uh, no, that that's false history. No. Okay. So according to plan.com forward. According to plan book. According to plan book. Dot dot com, com. Uh, forward slash EWR. R. All right. Very good. Kevin Freeman. What a joy. What a joy to have you with us again. I don't know how many times you've been on with us, but every time you come on, it's the best one that you've been on. And it's, it's exceptional. Thank you, my brother. Bless you. Thank you. God bless you.
I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please read the show notes for additional details if you would like a copy of the book or resources mentioned. Remember that WellVersed is a 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit organization. We rely on your support and partnership. Don't forget to hit subscribe to keep up to date with our latest episodes. Leave us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. Thank you for listening to the WellVersed podcast. For more information, please go to www.wellversedworld.org.